We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And yesterday, we discussed Darvin Ham's introductory press conference and had a really good conversation and started running long. And we were like, hey, let's uh, make two pods out of this. And so that's what this is. This is a continuation of yesterday's pod. And Darvin Ham made some comments at the end of his presser yesterday where he was asked about Anthony Davis. And he said, in no uncertain terms, Anthony Davis is the key. And I agree, Darius, for a multitude of reasons, but he is the guy who in his late 20s, and he is still physically unguardable, right? So much of LeBron's game has become his mental mastery, his strength. Of course, he obviously has huge physical advantages of which the fact that he has that in going into year 20 is just unprecedented, really. But there's nothing quite like being in your late 20s and still having all of the faculties that, that you have uh, available to you physically. And AD is a guy, I think, that that makes us physically overwhelming to a degree that is really the underpinnings of how we won our title a couple of years ago. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on Ham's comments and just that idea of AD being the key and how you see him fitting in to the Darvin Ham era. Yeah, I thought Ham recentering his view of the team through the lens of Anthony Davis is important. The comments that Ham said that I think that really explained it all were LeBron's going to be LeBron. Russ is going to be Russ, but Anthony Davis and just that premise right there, that, but Anthony Davis implies room for upside still. And we often don't think of a player who has the credentials of Anthony Davis as someone who still has upside, but the upside lives to me, Mike, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. It lives in the difference between the player that we saw the last two years and the player that played in the bubble in lead and basically co-leading or leading the Lakers to an NBA championship. And I think Anthony Davis has been much maligned over the last 
18 months or so, and his view as a top player in the league has been diminished and overtaken by players like Luka Doncic and and other guys who would jam their way into the top five players discussion at the expense of Anthony Davis. And I can guarantee you that if you were to ask who are the top five players in the league right now, there'd be some consensus around Giannis and Durant and Jokic and Curry. And then there's LeBron and there's Luka. And then you might even get an Embiid before you get to Anthony Davis. And there may even be more names that people want to go off the top of their head before they get to Anthony Davis. And Ham recentering his recentering his view of the team around Anthony Davis being propelled back into that conversation. And one of the names that can be at the near the top of, of that list and his ability to impact the floor on both sides. He mentioned multiple defensive efforts and availability and and offensive capability and what his ceiling is as a shooter and as a scorer. And there's really few other players like him in the entire league. And so getting back to that AD as being the driver of what this team's ceiling is, that's super important. And I think Ham has his finger on the pulse of the team if that's sort of what he's chasing and what he's after. To me, Anthony Davis is a a player where it's pretty simple whether or not he's going to be successful. And it's just about him being on the floor, which allows him to build rhythm. They're not going to be, they're going to be nights where he doesn't always attack the way that you want him to. And he isn't as aggressive in certain spots, but he's got, he's such a floor raiser defensively. And even when he's not aggressive, he still serves a valuable function offensively. And the peak of it, of course, is when the shot is falling and he's being aggressive, which is what we saw in the bubble. But he doesn't need that to be a, an all NBA player. Like that's, that's what he needs to be a LeBron Giannis level MVP candidate, superstar. And he hasn't tapped into that for a full season yet. And I think we were hopeful that maybe coming off of the bubble and especially last year when he had the full offseason rest, that he would be able to find that. And the injuries really got in the way of that, uh, plus several other factors. But my point being, his health is, is the thing. His health is the thing for next year. What does he do? What kind of shape does he need to get himself into? Does he need to lose some additional weight so that he can be a little bit more springy? Uh, Last year, he thought that he had to put some weight on to play more inside, which my, I am not a doctor, but I, I veered towards thinking it would be better to have him just be a little lighter and bouncy, especially as he gets older in his career. But I thought that when he was on the floor, and again, we all know at this point my theory about percentage of jump shots and all that kind of stuff, I thought that he was better than people gave him credit for, Mm -hmm. especially early in the season when he was doing everything defensively for that team, which did not have a lot of other good defenders out on the court and did not have the LeBron James defender that started the 2019-20 year when he came in with something to prove. So that... All of that, I think Darvin Ham recognizes and knows, and that's why he is the key. Because LeBron is going to – we know what LeBron's going to be. Uh, Russ, in a different way, I think we know what he's going to be. We discussed some of that last pod. I don't know if it'll come back again this pod. But the fact that there is – whether it's upside or downside for AD, both of those are there. And the Lakers need the full upside um, for this team to have a chance next year. 
They do. And that brings me to the question of how do you get the most out of Anthony Davis, right? I think that there is some degree of presumption that with both LeBron and AD, that they're so good that whatever it is we do and whatever you know system we run, like they're going to be great. They're superstar players. If they're healthy, they will be that. Um, but when Darvin Ham was talking about our running habits, the first person I thought of was Russell Westbrook. But the second person I thought of was Anthony Davis. During our championship run, um, I only got to go to one game in person, but it was the game where AD scored 50 on Carl Anthony Towns and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And now this was not a particularly serious Minnesota Timberwolves defensive team, but that's kind of even more to the point because remember, remember at the beginning of this past season, we had a really easy schedule to start out and that was our time to kind of stack wins. And I think in that 2020 season, we had kind of had a similar stretch as well. Remember the narrative that was pushing back against the Lakers at the time was, oh, they haven't beaten anybody, right? Like they're 23 and three, but they haven't really beaten anyone, right? And so that was the time to stack some wins. And the thought that I think of, the visual that goes through my mind of Anthony Davis at his just absolute best is him in that game on his rim runs. He's flying up and down the court. He's also a lot thinner than he was in this past season, which I think was in preparation of playing the five position, right? AD, you're going to play the five next year. At least that's the plan. We're going to have Trevor Ariza play the power forward spot. And to do that, you may have to put on a little little bit of weight, right? I could see how that would be a decision made by somebody to be like, okay, AD is going to bulk up in preparation for absorbing more responsibility at the five. That's That makes sense. However, I think that detracted a bit from those rim runs, that ability to be, Darius, a player that the most devastating players in the NBA are those two-way wings. And the bigger they are, the more devastating they are, so long as they can check certain boxes as a perimeter player. They can close out to the perimeter. They can handle the ball a little bit. They can knock down an open three with their feet set. Anthony Davis at his best is that guy. He is, I would argue, the most devastating wing in the NBA. But that leads to some questions. Is he a four next year? Is he a five? Who is the player that you put next to him? That, that was something you were onto really early last season is who you put in that spot next to, uh, you know, between whatever LeBron and AD is super important. I would argue even more so uh, alongside Russell Westbrook. And so the idea of who is AD next year? What type of player? What do we need him to do? I I'm thinking more toward that that guy that I saw drop 50 against the Minnesota Timberwolves, who's flying up and down the court and skinny, but you know this devastating big wing. So, I'm wh- where are you at on on that idea? I'm exactly where you two are. You and Mike just said the same exact thing, basically. Mike said that he thought that AD was too heavy, and I agree. He wasn't fat. No, right? No, that's not what we're talking about. Like, do you guys remember? This was maybe the 05 season of Kobe. I think it was 05. And, or it could have been actually before that. It might have been during the championship, during their, during their run. So it could have actually been 03. But it was one of those seasons, and Kobe decided, I'm going to bulk up. I'm going oh, yes. to put on like 20 pounds of muscle. And this dude came back looking yoked. Yep. Like almost like photoshopped arms and shoulders. Like, like what <laughs> happened to this dude? Right. And, yeah. and he basically, and look, 
he was probably all NBA that season. He was typically great. He's Kobe Bryant. He might have been 24 or 25 or 26, something like that. So right in the middle of his prime. And later, the next year, he came back and he looked like the dude he was previous seasons, which was slimmed down again. And he basically said, the bulk didn't help me. I felt slower. I didn't feel as explosive. And while I was stronger, technically, like the economy of motion that Kobe, that I think Kobe became known for and what he was Mm. really an expert at, right? For all the explosiveness and all of the like body control and all of this stuff, the reason he became great was economy of motion. All of that stuff was hindered by him being bulkier. It wasn't enhanced. By, by him being bulkier. And that's what I saw from Anthony Davis this, this past season. And I'm hoping that AD can learn a similar lesson to the lesson that Kobe Bryant learned, which is I don't need to be bigger to be stronger. And I don't, and the best version of me is going to be the thinner, more maneuverable, the more malleable version, the player who can get to places quicker and with more explosiveness rather than having to move through people because that was never ad's game to begin with so let's go to break here and on the flip side of that i'd love to hear you both your thoughts on just that general idea about ad and how that can translate into other aspects of his game we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The game has changed. You don't need to bulk up in the same way. It's just not Mm. the same game. Okay. Nobody's nobody. Very, very few players are going to pound you down underneath the rim on defense. And the ones that can do it, you can trap or you can front. So if if I can just interject, I agree from the sense that like, you're not going to get beaten by them, but there are actually many players in the NBA that are physically like in a literal the experience that Anthony Davis has on the basketball court is going to be boxing out Jonas Valanciunas and Steven Adams and Vita Zubats. There's like some big dudes around the league that playing the five position requires you to do that. So like, I agree from your perspective of like, you're not going to get beat at a high level seven game series, but you are physically, if you're Anthony Davis going to feel that physical punishment. And that's always been my impression that that's his least favorite part of playing the five spot. So I think that that enters into it. Well, no, he doesn't. Yeah, that's that is one of his least favorite parts. The other one is setting firm screens um, on guys on the perimeter. He just doesn't always love the physicality in general. 
uh, he plays more like a guard or a wing. That's the way that he likes to play, the way that he likes to fly around. And but the adding the bulk to to bang with a couple of guys that you just mentioned, um, I could name more guys that are not that big that he has to be out there with. And I, again, I'm thinking less about the banging, and I think that that just made me think of the uh, like a Charles Barkley. It's going to uh, be a great sound soundbite. Line, Jenny, clip yeah. that for us. That's uh, with the difference is you guys, you guys <laughs> that didn't might go be right in the intro soon. Yeah, you guys didn't meet like Shaq just can't keep a poker face right, so he just immediately starts laughing out loud uh, whenever <laughs> Charles goes into something like that, you know, and then Kenny kind of pitches in, but. <laughs> That's the that's the part the point that I'm trying to make though about the NBA and all of the things that you need Anthony Davis to do. How many things does he have to do out there? Like compared to most Everything. players, Everything. a lot more than most Anthony. players. Yes, yes. Okay, so one of those things is banging in the post or boxing out or a couple of things. It is that is not what he's doing the majority of the time that he's out there. And to me, his body needs to be need to be able to be maximized to do not only to do the other things, but to sustain a regular season from an injury standpoint. And I think that the the heavier the that you are, especially when you have that level of explosion that AD has, then it's more difficult to stay healthy. As a theory, this is somebody again. This is something again. I I, I defer to an NBA head athletic trainer or a team doctor. Um, I have spoken to some on other teams. About this, it's I specifically do not speak directly to uh, the Lakers training staff about these things with specific players unless there's an injury that comes up because you don't want to have two different perspectives coming out on that. But that that just I, that adds to my theory, I think, about what weight he should come in at and not be focused about, sure, having to bang with Jonas Valanciunas a couple times. There should be somebody on the roster for those types of matchups, even if it's for five, ten minutes a game that you bring in to do that. He doesn't, he shouldn't have to do all that. Even if you're playing as with him as the quote unquote lone big, like adapt some. And if that's something that's giving him a problem, then play somebody else or play that dude off the floor, treat it like a playoff game and get that dude off the floor, which isn't that hard to do in the modern NBA. That's right. That's right. And so to both of your points, that is, I agree, the best version of Anthony Davis. It's what makes him special. That, that ability to disassociate movements when he goes into the paint and attacks a closeout and his body's drifting to his left and he's shooting just this soft touch floater drifting one way or he's contorted in some way and he just finishes it so fluidly and easily. He makes it look way easier than it actually is. And it's the reason why he's the kind of big man that can get like 28 shots up in a game because he's got all of these shots in his uh, in, in his repertoire. And that ability to be lithe and graceful and fluid is really what makes him special. He can do other things. He can be a big man. He can be a five. Um, but that does, when you are in that spot, that does require you to box out those guys more often. Even what you're saying, like play them off over the floor, I agree. But the physical toll of doing that over the course of a long season is significant. I think it's why I go back D to that clip when we signed DeAndre Jordan and like, what was it that Rob said? Like, oh, uh, like AD. AD just texted me. Yep. And so I think all of this ties together. And so when we talk about going forward, what this Lakers team is going to be, all of this is a strong argument for AD playing the four spot. But if we have Russell Westbrook on the team, 
I would argue that the five, if you want to put somebody who can absorb that contact that Mike was talking about, that the JaVale thing, right? Two shifts a game, maybe come playoff time, you're not even in the rotation, but in that starting spot to absorb all of those box outs against those big guys and allow AD to come in. And we've seen pictures of him over the summer as being skinny, right? Like to do that, you probably need a guy at the five with some heft or some capability to take that position, right? And so that... Goes That's why that I like whole- the Marcus role. like the you know the guy who can still play internal defense and bang, but can spread, but can be a stretch five on offense and pass right. up the That's- top. That's the type of that's the type of player, right? That's the more and more we go through this. There's another type that can stretch the floor, but is also like a, a springing athlete that I think could at least. Ob- Maybe they get beat by those bigger guys, but you can put them on them credibly and they'll get some rebounds up high and block some shots around the rim, right? Like you could get an athlete, like JaVale wasn't the strongest guy, but he could leap and kind of fit that description. But I think that guy has to be a stretch five. And so when you're talking about, all right, needed to be seven feet tall, good rim protector, shoot threes, uh, maybe close out to the perimeter occasionally. That guy's probably making more than the vet minimum, but the more of those boxes we can check D I think that's in service of making AD the best player that we can. Sure. Also, sorry, AD, your job's hard. Life's hard. And I think part of what ham was doing in terms of his setup was like, you're capable. So go out there and be capable and go out there and play to the level in which we know that you're capable of playing. And it's why to Mike's point very early in the pod, the point that ham hammered home right, was availability. Because if AD is available and he's on the court, he's going to do so many of the things that we just talked about him doing. And he's going to do it naturally because he's one of the best basketball players on the planet. That like point blank, period. No more explaining to do. No more like, oh, well, this is the version of AD. It's just like, yeah, the version of AD that does all of that stuff, he's the dude that's in the game. Yeah. Because Look, I saw AD take it to Joel Embiid and be like, oh, yeah, you're the MV, you're the presumed MVP winner. Guess what? I'm better than you. Or at least I'm going to play right at your level the same exact way. When I think about the roster build, I don't just think about, though, like, oh, it'd be nice to have another big center, dude. Every team needs one of those. I don't care if, like, I don't care if you have Joel Embiid on your team. Every team is going to still want another sort of hefty, Pete, you've called them grizzly bear type of dudes. Every Mm -hmm. team is going to need another one of those. What I think about is what do your wings look like? Who are the other dudes that are out there? What kind of size do they have? Can they sandwich rebound? Can they play in the paint a little bit? One of the reasons I think AD might have thought putting on some weight would have helped him And this was before all of the roster signings, so I get that this wasn't just like, oh, okay, well, look, the Lakers have Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn now. Let me go put on 20 pounds tomorrow. But (laughs) but the flip side of that is, is that with Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan and then a bunch of smaller guards that are on your, your team, maybe bulking up was the best decision for him last season because guess what? Those other dudes weren't going to go in there and sandwich rebound with him. That's right. They weren't Danny Green size. They right. weren't Kyle Kuzma size. Mm-hmm. They weren't Alex Caruso size. No, these dudes were 6'2 and 6'3. Even Russ. Russ was probably the best athlete on the rest of the team and he's – also a 6'3", 6'3 and a half guard. And how much did he guard up this year? A position or two. He was guarding wings for a good portion of the season. 
That's right. And so going back to AD and what he can be next season, I hope he does slim down and I hope the roster that Rob Polinka puts around him and that Darvin Ham has influence on because Darvin Ham said, I'm going to collaborate with Rob on building out the roster. I hope that that roster that they do build does take that stuff into account. So let's go to break here and let's talk about help me help you which is what Anthony Davis, I'm sure, is going to be saying to Coach Ham and uh, to Rob Palenka. So look, guys, LeBron is a big piece of this puzzle. He's a big dude. He's going to help, right? Russ, in theory, if he's on the team, he's a big guard. He can help if he's slotted appropriately within the context of being a backcourt player and not a quasi-small forward defensively. So... I think there is a big calling, Mike, for the guy that you want on every single roster. This is like Mike Trudell Hill. The flag is planted right right there. The the Lakers are out there looking for big wings. I think that that's probably the most important thing that the Lakers can do with who they're looking to sign this this offseason. And I think it's in service of helping Anthony Davis within the context of this specific conversation and getting the most out of him. Yeah, because that because we know that AD, even if it's not as easy uh, as you alluded to, Darius, but he can do it. We know that he can scale up in key situations. And so there's sometimes that big player cannot scale down and still be on the floor against certain matchups. But that big yeah. wing can always be in the floor. And you can say the same thing about the small guy. So it's not – it's a very basic concept. Like, it's not complicated as to why – like, the rim is a certain height. There's a certain type of player that can do the most type of things. Usually that player is between, you know, 6'6 six, six and 6'9, six, right? Like, it's just a – it's almost um, like a genetics or, like, physics combination. Like, this is just the type of – of of person the type of movement that you should have on the court and so where how many of those guys can you get that uh that allow you to slot what the rest of the roster is and what kind of money the conversation Pete we've had all year can be used to get those guys when other teams have more resources but what the Lakers can offer is opportunity playing time like Right. Like if so, some guy that that might just be another wing in a, in a really good teams like Boston, you can go to Boston and now maybe that's not the best example because they don't have a ton of money lying around either. But let's say they found their way to the full mid-level exception uh, like the Lakers aren't going to have that. But if you come play for the Lakers, you're starting like you're not playing behind Tatum and Brown and then also maybe Derek White, you know, and then also maybe when you go small, Al Horford. So that. That's to me the the sales pitch is like, hey, this player, you come like you are on the court for 37 minutes a night all season and you're going to be able to use this into your next deal. And we got a chance to win if you come here, because that's the player that to be that at least at least one, ideally two of those guys have to come. Yeah, we need at least two those wings, right? Um, and I think that there are needs on both sides of Anthony Davis from a roster standpoint. And this again, I, so I I view the needs at the big position as being something to help AD out, right? You led into this D with the idea of help me help you. And so that idea of like, just please give me a big dude for 12 minutes a game that's going to handle this stuff and let me be the 
big guard wing that makes me special. And I will play the five. And I think that on the other side of that, like we do find something with LeBron at the five. I think that is something that two shifts a game. So between the one shift that the bigger dude plays and then the one shift that the microball group might play next season, that AD can cover the rest of that. But on the other side, the types of wings that you need, I think Anthony Davis is a multiplier in that respect, in that he can cover some of the things that you would need an elite 3 and D type wing to cover, which is the biggest deficiency on the roster, right? At least in terms of the returning players or who are those guys. And like you said, Mike, like ideally we could get a couple of them. I would argue that our needs are lesser because of Anthony Davis and also because of LeBron James, that these are things that in the last five minutes of a game, they can cover that to a certain degree. So it begs the question, uh, what do we need from those types of players? What do we need from those wings? I'm of the mind that we need somebody who can run the floor. So like athleticism, but I'm concerned about us dipping below the skill, like jump shooting in particular. It's a common thread, a common weakness amongst the projected starters. If Russ is back that I do think that like, so like Austin, Does he have a reliable three in the playoffs? He was inconsistent last season. Stanley, it's one of the bigger weaknesses offensively in his game. So when I look at the overall roster, I'm still like, oh, we need a little bit of shooting, but those guys need to be able to defend. Can I just interject to make sure we're talking Darvin Ham and his concepts within this, which I think the way to do that, it seems pretty clear that he's going to bring a lot of what Milwaukee and Bud and Mm -hmm. and Atlanta and that type of system. So just uh, – Either one, I'd love to hear from both of you there. How does that fit into that specific system, which it does seem like Darwin is aiming towards? I I think that that speaks toward AD being a four to start out at the very least. I think it speaks to a respect uh, to a certain degree of size and athleticism. Um, Maybe not athleticism, but like just length. And Milwaukee's always been arms everywhere. I'm, I'm curious how much Ham carries over the real the the adherence to protecting the rim to that degree like they went into a game seven and their game plan was we're gonna leave grant williams who's like a 41 percent three-point shooter wide open to the point where he's gonna take 17 threes in this game i would argue that that is the dials turn too much if you're making that decision is that a budenholzer decision how much of ham's influence was into that uh and ham spoke to kind of the i like guys who can roll up their sleeves as coaches and be in this collective rather than having coordinators, kind of this overall idea of everybody's going to ha- contribute to every aspect of the game. And so that, you know, those are, those are more generalists, but I'm, I'm just curious within that too, uh, D, we don't have entirely the answers to Mike's question on that, but if he carries over from Milwaukee, that's kind of what I see as being prioritized. And I think we have that in terms of our big three. They're big athletes. And that's a starting point at the very least to kind of conceptualize what you need around the rest of the team. Yeah. And, and to speak to Mike's point too, I think when you look at Milwaukee, they had very key core ingredient type of players who perform very specific functions within the context of their group, right? And so Middleton is a wing stopper defensively and a shooter slash shot creator on the other end. Giannis is a do-it-all type of player. I think 
when you look at the Lakers, they might have two guys who slot into the Giannis type of role with LeBron and AD. And it's no coincidence to me that they're sort of asking Russ to do what Drew Holiday does. Mm. And yeah, good call. And whether or not Russ is up to that, that's a whole different question. And I don't (laughs) want to get into that now because we've been so heavy on uh, the Anthony Davis part. But this is where Anthony Davis, Mike, being able to functionally do a lot of the same things that Giannis does defensively is going to be super useful to them while also saying that he can also do a lot of the same things that Brooke Lopez can do defensively, which speaks to that shape-shifting idea that the Lakers definitely need to get back to. So when we pivot back to some of the other ingredients that the Lakers need to build around that, I think it is a certain amount of competitiveness and athleticism and versatility within the other players in order to optimize the even greater versatility that LeBron and AD bring. And so at their best, Milwaukee had... The team, their team that won the championship was like, okay, well, there's a PJ Tucker. Great. That allows us to play smaller in terms of um, slotting Giannis at the five more. Okay. Then you have a Bobby Portis. Oh, well, great. He's another spacer who can play up a position and maybe guard defensively as a five, but is a shooter offensively. And then wings like DiVincenzo and Pat Connaughton. And then they got Grayson Allen this following season. Those guys aren't the best defensive players. But when you slot them around a Drew Holiday and a Chris Middleton, they get placed in the hierarchy appropriately. And this is why I think the ask and the callback to defense first within the star players is so important, Pete. It's that's where the ask needs to be because it allows you to then get a couple of wings who are just going to focus on like, look, man, just play hard on that end of the floor, run the floor and then shoot open threes and hopefully can a few. That's sort of the idea that I see ham sorting to go towards when framing it within the context of the staffs that he came from. So I have one other small ball versus big versus like AD playing the four versus the five thought here. And the teams that have won recently, and you know, this is so look at Golden State where Draymond almost always had another a center at least start next to him. And then the small ball group they would they would go to and sort of force the other team to match. Those Cleveland teams would always at least start a center. Eventually they might get to the way um with LeBron. And and then even like the Lakers when they would start a center. Um, and then get to that lineup with AD and at times LeBron. Like, I still think that's the way to go. I still think that fits what Darvin's MO is going to be with AD, basically replacing Giannis in that sense in the scheme. And it's just about finding the right couple of guys that can fill that spot. Those ones, like look at how Brooke Lopez, who is not cheap, um, fit there, plus Bobby Portis coming off the bench. Those were the two guys. And then PJ Tucker, the year they won the title, what a huge luxury to have him as an additional piece. But so... Those are the types of guys, right, uh, that I think that have to be found, whereas you're not just going into the season saying, all right, Anthony Davis, you're going to be that guy. We don't have anybody else who can play in that spot. Yes. Um, and and I, I think we're all in, in agreement on that. Very much so. And I would just say that if Russ is on the team, that dictates then that that player needs to be able to stretch the floor as well, because just the spacing falls apart if that player is just a strictly roll big. That was part of the DeAndre Jordan thing, right? Is It wasn't just like DJ isn't that good of a player anymore. It was also the player type that he was and the spaces 
on the floor that he had to be and the decisions that it dictated from the defense. I think that if that guy at the five spot who I agree in that, that has been the formula for success um, and that the teams that have won championships have had that look before they went to their small ball groups. I would argue that our starting lineup will not be able to function if that guy cannot space the floor. So there's going to be plenty more to talk about. This is exciting, guys. It really feels like the start of an of a new day. There's a lot to talk about. Um, I think in the next couple pods, I'd really like to get into the defensive and offensive ends of the floor and maybe get a little more into the weeds of what we think that could look like in the context of these conversations. But uh, we'll be back. We'll probably cover the, the finals. we got to get to that uh, maybe after Wednesday, after game three. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant. 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two, one, miss it! It's over. And shot clock out of five. Bryant, yeah! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.